The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Just a reminder, uh, Matt and Alou will be out in the hallway at the Visitor Center. It's also Camp Sunday. We've got several camps that are out there representing uh, their different uh, camps. And so if you're a student maybe looking for a place to serve this summer, or maybe you've got uh, kids or grandkids you'd like to send to camp, why don't you stop by and talk to them? And even if not, just thank them for being here. They've taken the whole Sunday to be with us here at TBC, and uh, it's really an honor to have them with us. So I am a brave man. I am addressing the women today. So pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, okay? So uh, my task, last week Tim Cartwright had the task to address men. And uh, this week, I'm addressing the ladies. Our series is called Disconnected, and so I'm going to talk about uh, when we become disconnected and, and our relationships and how we can reconnect. And ladies, I'm specifically going to talk to you today. Hopefully, we'll broaden this out. I recognize it's a hard sermon for some. Uh, we've got widows, widowers, those who've been divorced, didn't want to go through that, as well as uh, some of you who are single wishing to be married, some of you are married wishing to be single, and so that's a problem, too. So let me just remind you that it's a transformed heart that produces change behavior. I don't want to just give you four principles to live by. I want to remind you that this begins with coming to know Christ as your Savior. That the first way, that the only way that this takes place is if you know Jesus and the transformed heart produces change behavior. And I don't want to assume that. I want to make sure we understand that. And then we're going to talk about ways to reconnect. When I was with you last, we talked about how Adam and Eve were living in perfect harmony until the fall. Then they were disconnected by sin and its consequences. And ever since then, we've been in a struggle to reconnect. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we need to hear from you. We need you to speak through your word. We need you to take these uh, efforts that I've made to understand the truth and deliver the truth to these, my friends. So for my sisters here, Father, I pray as we address them, that indeed you would use this time to challenge them, to sharpen them, to change them, and to allow them to drink deeply from the cup of your grace. We pray in Christ's name, amen. When God created man and woman, he wired us differently, amen? Amen. amen. This is going to be an interactive sermon. I need you to support me today, okay? I mean, I, I, I'm up here with a lot of guts, okay? So uh, God wired us differently, Amen. There we go. Viva la difference. I'm grateful that Bev is so different from me, and she's grateful I'm different from her. But sometimes that difference can cause us to become disconnected. It happens. Tim did a masterful job. Tim Cartwright preached last week. We listened to him. Did a masterful job addressing men, and now I've got the daunting task of helping our ladies understand men. So, uh, ladies, let, let me begin by this. Let me help you understand your man by letting you know that we as men have certain rules. These are rules that we live by. Uh, this is just who we are. Maybe if you understand these things, it'll give you an appreciation for your man or for our singles out there, maybe one day the spouse that God bring to you. So here are some rules that we men live by. Number one, if we ask what is wrong and you say nothing, we believe you and we'll act like nothing's wrong. Okay, amen. Guys, I need the men to respond, amen. Okay, guys, there we go. Okay. Uh, anything we said six months ago is inadmissible in an argument. In fact, all comments become null and void after seven days. And the men said, I need all the guys to talk to me, okay? We got we to gotta go on here. Uh, ladies, come to us with a problem only if you want help solving it. That's what we do. Sympathy is what girlfriends are for. <laughs> Amen? There we go. Okay, here we go. Ladies, if something we said can be interpreted two ways, and one of the ways makes you sad or angry, we meant it the other way. 
we really did. And then finally, uh, ask for what you want. Let us be clear on this one. Subtle hints don't work. Strong hints don't work. Obvious hints don't work. Please, ladies, just tell us what you want. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Amen. Ladies, what do you say to that? Amen. Get the guy off the stage is what you're thinking right now. <laughs> okay, now you understand, men. Let's pray and we'll go home. <laughs> right. <laughs> Understanding a man. What do we like? How do we wire? How do we get reconnected after we've been disconnected? That's what we're going to look at this morning. Ladies, I want to suggest to you from God's word four ways. Now, let me remind you, it's from a transformed heart, right? Transformed heart produce these things. I want to remind you of four ways that you can be connected to your husband or reconnected to your husband. A reconnected wife, first of all, respects her man. She respects her man. So, well, Pastor Gary, where do you get that from? Well, it's Ephesians chapter 5. You can look on your devices and your Bibles, or you can look up on the screen. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul concludes a long section on marriage and says, however, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. And Tim did a good job of teasing that out last week. We, as men, have the great privilege and responsibility to love our wives with an agape type of love. And then, ladies, your response to that is the wife must respect her husband. So we as men have the privilege and responsibility to love our wives in this unconditional way. And it says, ladies, your response is to respect your husband. Now, the Greek word for respect there is an interesting word. It's the Greek word phobotai, phobotai. We get the word what from it? An English word is what? Phobia. It, it, we, a phobia is a fear, right? So in the context that Paul's looking at in which this word is used, it's the root word for fear. It's used to talk out of our reverence for God. It's used to talk out of our respect for God, out of our fear for God. This is not a cowering fear. It's a fear based out of love. Just as God loves us and we fear him, likewise, as our husbands love us, we are to fear, that is, respect him and to reverence him. That's what the word of God teaches us. So wives, they have a healthy respect for your husband. Your love, your support, your acceptance of him is tantamount for him each day. When Bev and I, when we are right and she's respecting me and we are not crossways, I feel like I can conquer the world. But there are times when Bev and I do get crossways and when that happens, I feel like the world's conquering me. And so it's amazing when Bev and I are right, which is almost all the time, and when we are right and we are filling the gaps in one another's lives, we have the privilege, we have the privilege to serve the Savior together and walk with him. So when she is respecting me and loving me and supporting me, I feel like I can conquer the world. But when we are not the way we should be, my world is out of sorts. It's out of sorts. So ladies, let me be real practical and concrete. How do you, how do you respect your husband? Let, let me give you some suggestions. You ready, ladies? If your wife doesn't have a pen, now's the time you can lean over and give her your pen. How's that? <laughs> we don't do that very often here. Normally it's a men I'm dinging on. Ladies, you respect your man when you speak highly of him to your friends. When you're in conversations with your friends, you talk about your husband. How, how do you speak of him? You respect your man when you don't argue with him or correct him in front of the kids. You honor your man, you respect your man when you don't blow the budget that you've agreed upon. You, you respect your man when you don't speak negatively of his parents. We, we've got a rule in our house. Bev can speak about her parents or her family. I can speak about my family, but the twain don't mix. And, and so we, we've tried to adhere to that rule our whole lives. La ladies, you respect your man when you don't nag and you're not bossy. Anybody out there married to a nagging wife, you better not raise your hand.
a, uh, a man asked an American Indian, he said, what's your wife's name? He said, three horses. He said, that's quite an unusual name for a wife. What does it mean? It's an old Indian name. It means nag, nag, nag. <laughs> I mean, ladies, I mean, it happens, doesn't it? Remember this couple I introduced you to a couple of weeks ago when I preached? <laughs> I introduced you to them a couple of weeks ago? Well, she got up uh, to fix breakfast one morning. He got up out of bed. She was frying a couple of eggs. He walks in the kitchen. He begins to scream, careful, careful, put in more butter. You're cooking too many at once, too many. Turn, turn them over right now. Careful, careful. You never listen to me when you're cooking. Never turn them up. Hurry. Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? And she looked at him and said, Paul, are you okay? What are you doing? He looked at her and said, well, I wanted to show you how it feels when I'm driving a car with you in it. Ladies, this may surprise you, but when your husband is not with you, you can actually find his way to places. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Now, sometimes we're like Daniel Boone. You remember Daniel Boone was asked if he was ever lost? He said, lost, never, bewildered for three days one time. We can find our way around. Um, this is a new invention that... Uh, <laughs> actually, uh, Matt and Alou are going to sell those in Malaysia, and they're not going to have to worry about raising support. I mean... They'll be in business forever, right? So um, here, here's, here's the reality. Ladies, when you respect your man, he'll run through you. Hey, I mean, it's amazing what that does for us. It's amazing what it does. Emerson Egridge wrote a book called Love and Respect. And in that book, his wife quotes a woman who they counseled. And she said this, I've longed for relational intimacy in my marriage for 23 years. Little did I know that my lack of respect was sabotaging that desire. I had serious arrogance problems, thinking my ways were right and not acknowledging his ideas as worthy of consideration. I thought I was helping my inept husband. It was quite amazing once the Lord nailed me. Without me spouting my opinion or giving, and giving him room to share his, amazing things began to happen. He began to reveal his heart to me. We actually have conversations rather than monologues. My love and respect for him has skyrocketed. In return, he's begun to blossom into the man I always hoped he would be. She just gave him a little run by respecting him and listening to him, not correcting him all the time, not saying she was right all the time. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, ladies, write it down and take a look at it. It's a section where it's about Sarah and Abraham. And it talks about the fact that Sarah respected her husband, Abraham, and, and that she followed him. And as she listened to him, and that even though he didn't know where she was gone, she saddled up and went along with him. Some of you thinking right now, Gary, you don't know my husband. There's not a whole lot to respect about him. And I would say two things to that. Number one, you begin to pray for that man. You, you begin to pray. Don't nag him. First Peter 3, 1 through 6 talks about winning him without a word. You become a prayer warrior for that man to grow into the man that Eckridge quotes here. That, that, that you will see that man become a man who is worthy of respect. And secondly, remember what Billy Graham's wife said. She was interviewed one time and she was asked about her relationship to Billy and she said, I learned a long time ago, it's my job to love Billy, it's God's job to change Billy. It's my job to love Billy. It's God's job to change him. And so ladies, for some of you, it's, you're trying to change that man. Only the spirit of God can change the heart of that man. If your knight in shining armor has fallen off his heart, horse, respecting him may help him get back on that horse. 
I, I'm sure you ladies have found out that complaining and nagging doesn't achieve what you want. But when you respect him, it can go a long way. I've used a story before. E.V. Hill was a dynamic minister in Los Angeles. He's actually from Seguin, Texas. He became, he planted a church in Los Angeles. He became Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church, one of the largest churches in American, African-American church in the Watts area. He lost his wife, Jane, to cancer a number of years ago. He spoke at her funeral. I don't know if I can do that. He spoke at her funeral. And he said, I want to tell you about my Janie. He said, when I was a young man planning Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church, things were difficult. I was working two jobs. We barely had enough to eat. He said, there was a night when I opened the door and I saw Jane had prepared a romantic candlelight dinner for two. I thought, what a great idea. And I went to the bathroom to wash my hands. He's telling the story at his wife's funeral. I went to the bathroom to wash my hands. And when I turned the light switch on, nothing happened. I washed my hands. I went in the bedroom and I turned the light switch on and nothing happened. He said, I was about to burst out into tears. And I walked in and asked Jane what happened and she began to cry. She said, you work so hard all the time. You're trying to do everything you can. It's been pretty rough lately and there wasn't enough money to pay the light bill. And I didn't want to tell you about it. So I thought tonight we could just enjoy a candlelight dinner. I knew you'd be paid tonight and we could pay the bill tomorrow. He was overcome with emotion as he spoke at that funeral. And he talked about his Jane and he called her baby. He said, she could have said to me, I've never been in this situation before. I was reared in the house of Dr. Carruthers, an MD, and we never had our lights cut off. She could have broken my spirit, ruined me on the spot, demoralized me, but instead she said, somehow another baby, we're gonna get the lights on, but tonight we're gonna have a candlelight dinner for two. Ladies, how do you think that man felt? How do you think that man felt? She could have broken him in half. She could have torn him asunder. But she lifted up her man. And even though he couldn't provide everything they needed, she showed him respect even in a difficult time. And they went on to have one of the most powerful ministries in America. Over 10,000 members Mount Zion Missionary Church in Los Angeles when he died. And I would dare tell you that the respect of that woman went a long way in helping him become the man that he was. If you want to be reconnected, ladies, first of all, you respect the man. Secondly, you affirm him. You affirm your husband. Proverbs talks about this. It says this, gracious words are a honeycomb sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I, I mean, when we're gracious words are spoken, words of encouragement like a honeycomb. You ever had a honeycomb before? One of the hotels that we go to on our trips to Israel, we dine. Uh, it's the last hotel we go to, Mount Zion. It's overlooking the old city. They've got a beautiful breakfast buffet. And I'd never seen this before. They actually have a honeycomb. And you walk up to the honeycomb and, and you, you go there with your waffles or your pancakes or whatever. And you, you just scrape a little bit of honey. It comes right off the comb, fresh off the honeycomb. I'm getting hungry talking about this, actually. <laughs> And he says, that's what gracious words are like. They're, they're like that honeycomb. They're sweet to your soul. They're healing to your bones. They're actually marvelous. When, when somebody encourages you, somebody praises you, it, it, it's like this, the Japanese have a saying. It says, one compliment can warm up three cold winter's moths. How true that is in marriage. Husbands to wives, wives to husbands. 
words of encouragement spoken to one another. Proverbs says this, like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. So you've got a setting of silver, imagine a ring, a setting of silver, and you've got an apple of gold on top of that. He's saying that's what encouraging words are like. It's they're priceless is what he's saying. They're priceless. When somebody speaks words of encouragement, words of affirmation to you, when Jesus was being baptized, you remember what the father said? The father looked down from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Imagine Jesus hearing those words. He didn't need that, but the father knew how important it was for the son to be affirmed. And so he affirms his son. Ladies, I'm going to tell you, there's some men in this room who would run through walls if they had words of affirmation spoken to them by their wives. Men who would hear words like, hey babe, thanks for taking our family to church. Hey babe, thanks for providing for us. Hey babe, thanks for loving me. Hey babe, thanks for putting up with me. Hey babe, thanks for living with me through PMS and menopause. We've had menopause in our house for 10 years. Last night, the wind is up, the fan's on. I've got a head like this. I'm under the covers freezing during the night. It's the first time Bev is warmer than I am in our whole life other than when she was pregnant. I love to say bumper stickers. So here's some bumper stickers related to that. Uh, bumper sticker, PMS equals mad cow disease. I, 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 didn't, I didn't make it up. I'm just reading it, ladies, okay? Uh, here's another one. Don't think of, this is a bumper sticker, don't think of it as getting hot flashes. Think of it as your inner child playing with matches. <laughs> and here's another bumper sticker. I'm, at a, I'm out of estrogen. I've got a gun. You better run. <laughs> uh, you know, words of affirmation. Yeah, I'm blessed. One of, I, I'm convinced if you would ask me what are the spiritual gifts that my wife has, one of those spiritual gifts is encouragement. I'm the greatest beneficiary of that. If you've ever been in a Bible study with Bev, she's an encourager. If you've ever been around Bev, she's an encourager. I get those words more than anybody else. And what a blessing. What a blessing. I mean, you know, the birds sing louder, the sun shines brighter when your wife speaks words of encouragement and you're affirmed as a man and you're affirmed as a husband. I appreciate that so much in my bride. When's the last time, ladies, you just told your husband you love him? Last time you just told him you love him? There's a Bible study with a number of women in it, and the Bible study leader was teaching on husbands loving their, or wives loving their husbands, and she said, uh, how many of you love your husbands? Every lady in the Bible study raised her hand. And she said, when's the last time you told your husband you loved him? A few of the women said today, some said yes, and some said, honestly, I don't remember. So she said, here's a Simon, everybody take their phones out, and I want you to text your husband and tell him you love him right now. So all these women pull out their phones. It's amazing when we talk about texting, we get our thumbs ready, right? So all these women pull out their phones and text their husband and, say, and told them I love him. All of a sudden, their phones started getting dings back. The first one said this, who is this? <laughs> Next guy said, I don't understand. What do you mean? Next guy said, what did you do now? Question mark, question mark, question mark. The last one said, okay, tell me your mother's coming and she's staying for a while. Ladies, when's the last time you just told that man you love him? I mean, I ha okay, guys do this all the time. Ladies, I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now. You got the man that God has given you and he's with you. This is a great time for you to walk. You, you just put your arm around and tell him you love him right now. Yeah, you just do it right now. I, I'm, I'm prepared, I'm my blind side over here. There we go. Mm. We got a room tonight, baby.
Just saying. We're celebrating Valentine's. You guys didn't hear that over there. It's like your daddy talking about stuff. Hey guys, let me talk to you too. Let me step on your toes. When's the last time you sent your wife a text and said, I love you? Last time you sent an email in the middle of the day and said, hey, you're special. Um, how proud you are of her, the way that she loves your kids and the way she ministered to other women, the fact that she pursues God. When's the last time you thanked her? Great opportunities for us. Now, some of you, it's not easy. For some of you ladies, it doesn't come natural. You don't have the gift of encouragement. You've got the, grif- the, the, the spiritual gift of discouragement, criticism, and discernment. You know what the scriptures say about that? Here's what it says. It's better to live in the corner of a roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. It's the scriptures. I didn't make it up. It's right there. Proverbs 21.9. Better to live in the stinking roof of an attic than a woman who wants to fight all the time. Some of you ladies are guilty. I'm just saying, okay? And uh, God's word says, better for your husband to go live in the roof. It also says it's better for your husband to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome, ill-tempered wife. If you've got a wife that's always mad, always ill-tempered, always quarrelsome, better to go live out in the desert somewhere. So the scriptures are pretty clear. A quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. It's the old Chinese torture drill. Woman is always fighting, always wanting to, always, always, you know, bowling up to you. It's like, okay, here we go. So you want to reconnect, you respect your man, you affirm your man, you submit to your man. Some of you say, well, I know he's going to get to submission eventually. Ladies, it's in the word of God. It's in the word of God. It's pretty clear. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he's Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives ought to submit to their husbands and everything. The word submission is not a bad word, ladies. It's the word hupatasso. It means to willingly place yourself under someone else. And that's what we're talking about. In fact, look at this. It's the church submitting to Christ. In 1 Corinthians 11.3, it says, God is ahead of Christ, Christ is ahead of man, man is ahead of woman. Ladies, when we talk about this, we're talking about voluntary placing ourselves under the leadership of another. Let me tell you what submission is. It's not dictatorship. It's not a master-slave relationship. It's not inferiority. In fact, Ephesians says we're all equal in Christ. There's neither male nor female, neither slave nor free, neither Greek nor Jew. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. This is not about dictatorship. It's not about master-slave relationship. It's not about inferiority. It's not about correctness. It doesn't mean the man is always right. But this is when we lovingly care for and place ourselves under the leadership of others. When we are submissive to our husbands. It's very clear. It says we should submit to our husbands in these ways. There are a lot of godly examples in this body. I had a dear friend, I saw her Facebook post last week. We had met a few months ago. She was out of sorts, marriage was out of sorts. Her recent Facebook post from last week, she said, now I'm back in the word. There's peace in my family. If you wanna be right within your family, you've gotta get right this way first. When you're right this way, then you can be right this way. And so for my dear, dear sisters here, my encouragement to you is the greatest security you can give that man that God has given you is to be a sister who walks with Jesus, to see the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in your life. When I see my wife on a regular basis, on her knees, in her study, worshiping God, I don't have to worry about where she goes, who she's with, and what's happening, ever, ever. 
When you walk with Christ, ladies, it builds within the man that God's given you a deep, deep security of not only who we are, but of who you are in Jesus. So a reconnected wife respects her husband, affirms her husband, submits to her husband, is affectionate towards her husband. I get an amen to the men out there? Affectionate to her husband. Here's what 1 Corinthians 7, 5 says. It says, do not, this is talking about the sexual relationship. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by mutual consent for a season, for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer, then come together sexually again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So if you look at the first portion, it says there is a time we, sh- we should fast from a sexual relationship within marriage. It's mutual consent. It's going to be for a season. I'm not going to tell you how long that season is going to be. But there is a time. There may be an issue between you. It may be an unresolved issue. It may be something that you're seeking God's uh, direction for. It may be a move. It may be what you're going to do. And for a season, you stay apart. For a season, you stay apart. But then you come back together after that season so you don't succumb to temptation. In their book, Love and Respect, the Eckeridge say this. He said, wives, we're talking about what a season is, what a time is to be separated. Wives, what if your husband didn't talk to you for three weeks, for six weeks or three months? You would think that would be abominable. So ladies, if you separate yourself sexually from your husbands for three weeks or six weeks or three months, that's abominable as well. Now, I want to talk to, frankly, to those of you, now I recognize Sometimes there are health issues, aging issues. I'm not talking to you who physically are incapable of having a physical relationship. But even to those of you that you can still be loving and caring and compassionate. But those of you that are capable, I want to remind you that Satan is preoccupied with sex. And we're cultures preoccupied with sex. And by the way, I don't know if I said this, but next week is going to be PG-13. Dave Tate's going to preach. We're going to talk about a sexually disconnected culture. So you might want your kids to be in, in Sunday school next week when he's, we're gonna talk frankly but not crassly about sex. And then in about four weeks, I'm gonna talk uh, from the Song of Solomon, What Makes a Great Lover, and we're gonna talk about the great joy of sexuality within marriage. Satan's preoccupied with sex, writes one author. One of his most destructive tools is to take the beauty of sex as God intended to be and twist it so it becomes what God did not intend it to be. God made it pure, Satan uses it for perversion. God created for oneness, Satan uses it for division. God designed it to produce life, Satan uses it to bring about death. I'm convinced of this after 37 and a half years of ministry and counseling people, that Satan does everything he can to bring a couple together sexually before marriage and everything he can to separate them sexually after marriage. Some of his tools, And what we recognize is the great call of God upon our lives to enjoy the gift that he's given us. So here's what I want to do. I want you to get your phones out. I'm going to recommend two books. These are two books to help you in your sexuality. So if we don't all do this, I'm going to say, uh, okay, I want everybody that needs help in this area to pull their phone and take a picture. You say, you saw me take a picture. You think we're messing. We've got a problem at home. So if we all do it together, we're in good shape. Okay, so get your phones out. We're going to take a picture. Uh, I'm going to recommend two books to you in the area of sexuality. The first one is called Sheet Music by Dr. Kevin Lehman. It's an excellent book. It's Uncovering the Secrets of Sexual Intimacy and Marriage as a subtitle. It's a great book. It's a great book. Bev and I both read it. It's a wonderful book for couples in marriage. Uh, Or if you are engaged or are going to, you know, even for the future, it's a good book to have. 
The other one, ladies, there are not many books written specifically to women regarding sexuality and marriage. Intimate Issues, written by Linda Dillo and Lorraine Pintus, is Linda is Bev's mentor and close friend. And uh, she wrote this book specifically to Christian women about how to be a good lover, basically. And I'm gonna tell you, every guy in here needs to give that as a gift to his wife. I mean, it is a great book written to women, by women, about sexuality within marriage. So here's what I'd like to do. You wanna reconnect with your man, you respect him, you affirm him, you submit to him, you be affectionate towards your husband. So ladies, I'm gonna give you four, four Ps in the area of affection. First one is purity, purity. You gotta be pure in the relationship. I ding guys all the time, but let me remind you it takes two to tangle. I pick on men all the time. Ladies, I wanna to talk to you about purity. I wanna to talk to my young sisters first, my young sisters. Let, let, me, let me be honest with you. A lot of young men wanna date women who will, but they wanna marry a woman who hasn't. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of young men wanna date a woman who will have sex with them, but then when it comes to marriage, they want somebody who hasn't. And to my young brothers out there, here's what I wanna say. The, the C word for sex is not a condom, the C word is commitment. It's commitment to a lifelong relationship of purity until marriage takes place. And so here's what I would say. Hey, if you've fallen along the way, God's a God of forgiveness and he's a God of, uh, of reconciliation. And so he, he can make pure that which has been broken. And to those of you in adulterous relationships right now, we're gonna talk next week about the perversion of sex. We're gonna talk about various things, but here's what I want you to know. If you're having sex outside of marriage, shame on you. Shame on you. You've been here long enough, you know the word of God, and it's wrong. And you're saying, Gary, you're passionate about it. I am passionate about it. You have no idea, in 37 and a half years, a number of people I've had to look in the face and had to, it just breaks my heart. And I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you, don't talk about Jesus and be sleeping with somebody you're not married to. Don't do it. Just don't do it. just wrong. And I, I'm passionate about that because I've seen so many broken hearts over the years. Be who you claim to be. You protect that person God's put in your life. If you're living together in sin, get married. Get married. D don't be talking about Jesus and messing around with somebody you're not married to. You know, purity is a lost thing in our society. Here's what one co-ed said. There's nothing any lonelier than being in bed alone. If there's anything lonelier than being in bed alone, it's waking up next to someone who doesn't love you and just had sex with the night before. The lonely feeling. Purity. You'll never apologize for your purity, but you will apologize for your promiscuity. If you find yourself and you're married, you're attracted to another person, you run. If you're married and you find yourself beginning to share your feelings with another man, ladies, you run. If you are married and you're beginning to arrange your lunch schedule to be near somebody other than your husband, you run. You begin to dress to please a man in the office, you run. You keep stalking that guy on Facebook that you used to date in high school and college, you get off of Facebook. Instagram, Snapchat, 
whatever it is. I've seen too many broken hearts. That's where the emotion comes from. It's the emotion of hearts, I can name person after person after person who've had their hearts broken. Purity. So ladies, you want to uh, reconnect with your husbands, you be pure in your relationship. Secondly, passion, passion. Yeah, I get amen from a few guys out there. Amen. Guys, you want a passionate wife? Amen. Three guys. <laughs> Dudes, come on, you want a passionate wife? Yeah. Okay, there you go, man, I love passion. I love passion with my wife. That's why God had given us this relationship. I love a passionate woman. I, I want a woman who has passion and who, golly, it's good stuff. You gotta have passion in marriage. Then you gotta have priority. You gotta make it a priority. If you don't make it a priority, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Florida State did a study. And it was a study on uh, things that men enjoy the most, women enjoy the most. When it came to men, lovemaking was like second on the list. When it came to women, it was right below sewing. <laughs> really? Really? And then let me, let me add one final word, pursuit. I get amen from the guys? Amen. A woman who initiates a sexual relationship with her husband. Pursuit. Now, ladies, say that word with me, pursuit. pursuit. Now, say, in, say initiate with me, initiate. initiate. Okay, now do it. Be doers of the word and not merely hearers of the word. Okay? Now, don't all do it this week. I can't go visit every man that has a heart attack by the middle of the week. <laughs> be like, oh, man. Let me tell you what never happens in my office. I don't have guys walk in and say, Pastor Gray, I need help. My wife is pursuing me too much sexually. It's a problem. <laughs> Those conversations don't happen. They don't happen. Um, God has created this as a great gift. Enjoy the gift he's given you. Enjoy the gift he's given you. Satan wants you to be relationally disconnected. The Father wants you to be relationally connected. That's the reality. Satan will do anything to disconnect you. God will do anything to connect you. Um, for some, they'll tell you, it's too late. And we've gone our separate ways through divorce. There are widows and widowers here who wish they could redo things. Many of our young people, man, this is a great lesson for you to learn from and one day to follow. For each of us, we need to learn to appreciate the imperfections in one another's lives. Because when we appreciate those imperfections, then we have the joy, the joy of appreciating one another. Uh, last time I preached, I think it was three weeks ago, I'm not sure, two, three weeks ago, and I showed this video at the 8.15 hours, too long-winded, the next two hours, so you didn't get to see it. So uh, this is one of my favorite videos. It's called Beautifully Imperfect. Take a look at it. Mrs. Lee, I believe you have some words to say about the daily departed. I'm not going to sing praises for my late husband. Not today. <coughs> Neither am I going to talk about how good he was. Enough people have done that here. Instead, I want to talk about some things that will make some of you feel a bit uncomfortable. First off, I want to talk about what happened in bed. Ever had difficulty starting your car engine in the morning? Well, 
Well, that's exactly what David's snoring sounded like. But wait, snoring wasn't everything. There was also this rear-end wind action going on as well. Some nights, it would be so forceful, it would wake him up. What was that? He would ask. Oh, it's the dog, I would say. Go back to sleep, dear. Oh, you might find this all very funny, but towards the end of his life, when his illness was at its worst, these sounds indicated to me that my David was still alive and what I wouldn't give just to hear those sounds again before I sleep. things that you remember, the little imperfections that make them perfect for you. So to my beautiful children, I hope one day you too find yourselves life partners who are as beautifully imperfect as your father was to me. Satan wants to keep you apart. God wants you together. Father, I pray. I pray for reconnections all over this auditorium. I pray for repentance. I pray for reconciliation. I pray for hope. I pray for change. I pray for transformation. I pray, Father, that our hearts will be knit to your heart so that in those moments of when we're beautifully imperfect, we'll appreciate one another. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.